This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Special interest money is what's wrong with Washington, D.C. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. I am your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us today. Glad to have you with us on the show. AFR.net is the website. American Family Radio is the network. And once again, I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you this afternoon uh, talking about all that's going on in Washington, D.C. And one thing we're going to talk about today, and you know, you're not going to see this in the headlines That's what I tell you every week. What you hear on the show today, you're not going to get pretty much from anywhere else. That's exactly the case today. We're going to talk about how special interest money is the problem in our nation's capital. Special interest money is the problem in Washington, D.C., and it has ties into every other problem in our country, whether it be illegal immigration, um, whether it be you know, the socialist ideas, whether it be um, foreign policy, all of these problems in Washington, D.C. deal with, are they are connected to the special interest money that flows into our nation's capital. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Once again, uh, American Family Radio is the network. Uh, Exposing Washington is the show. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. If you want to find out more information about today's show, As I mentioned, visit our website, AFR.net. And if you visit our website, AFR.net, there at the top of the page, you can click on the podcast link. And once you click on the podcast link, you'll see my podcast, Exposing Washington Podcast. And if you click on that, there you can find all the information you need to know about the show. Not only can you listen to this show and past shows, you can also visit our social media pages directly from that page there. All the information you need to know about the show, Exposing Washington podcast page at our website, AFR.net. To jump right into this, you know, um, you know, if you just do a little bit of digging, you can find this, this, this lobbying problem in Washington, D.C., and this is a multi-party problem. This is a, uh, a two-party problem. And it affects every, almost every politician in Washington, D.C. And the problem here is, is politicians, congressmen, senators who are, who are elected to represent us, the people, we the people, taking money from special interest groups that only represent a small fraction of American interest. That's the problem with Washington, D.C. I'm just going to go through a couple examples. And look, I'm not trying to pick up, to, to single these people out just to pick on them. This is a widespread problem. 
that crosses party lines. And I'm just highlighting some examples to show you what the problem is. To show you what the problem is. The first example, and this hits right home for us. This is here, in, uh, uh, talking about a senator here in Mississippi. Senator Roger Wicker, look, he's the chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee. Well, here's what happened two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, the night before Senator Roger Wicker was to chair the Senate Commerce Committee, guess what happened the night before? He was to chair a committee hearing on data privacy. Guess what happened? I'm reading directly from thehill.com. Here's reading directly from the news article. The telecom industry will be hosting a fundraiser for Senator Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi, next week. This is speaking in past tense. The, uh, this happened two weeks ago. The night before he will preside over a hearing on data privacy, according to an invitation obtained by The Hill. Wicker, the chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, is slated to attend the Tuesday fundraiser at the Capitol Grill restaurant. The event uh, is being hosted by the Political Action Committees for AT&T, yes, a monopoly, and the trade group U.S. Telecom. According to the invitation for Tuesday's fundraiser, which will be supporting a group backing Roger Wicker's re-election called the RFW PAC. It costs $1,500 to attend, $2,500 to attend as a sponsor, and $5,000 to co-host the dinner. And not to mention, Senator Roger Wicker here from Mississippi just got re-elected. Just got re-elected in November, and he, has, he serves a six-year term, and they're already hosting fundraisers for whatever... 2024, 2024, the last sentence that I want to read here, the next day, Senator Roger Wicker's committee that he chairs will hold its first hearing of the new Congress on crafting comprehensive data privacy legislation, a key issue for the telecom industry. So that's just one example. How can we expect our representatives to fight for the interest of the people of their state, of their district, when they're taking money from these special interest corporations. It, it causes a conflict there. It causes a conflict there that really is not, not healthy at all. But I'm going to move on. We're going to talk about Senator Mitch McConnell and a fellow by the name of Peter Schweitzer, who's actually written extensively on this. He exposed a lot of the Clinton Foundation corruption. Peter Schweitzer is his name. I'll post a link to this to this article. I'll also post a link to the the uh, the Senator Roger Wicker article from thehill.com. But look, reading directly from this New York Post article, I'm moving on now. Same subject, different person. Uh, Senator Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Listen to this. In 2004. The net worth of Senator Mitch McConnell and his wife, Elaine Chow, they had an average net worth of $3.1 million. Okay, what's the big deal? Ten years later, that number had increased to somewhere between $9 million and $36 million of net worth. Moving on, how did this happen, you might ask? 
here's, here's how this happens. While politicians, I'm reading directly from this article here at the New York Post. I'll post it on our podcast link, AFR.net. While politicians and their spouses are often subject to rigid regulations on what gifts that they can accept and what sort of businesses they can conduct, others around them, like their friends or children, have no such obstacles. Some, so while a politician could theoretically wind up in prison for accepting $10,000 for doling out favors, establishing overseas connections that could lend that could land your children multi-million dollar deals is harder to detect and often legal. So that's how this happens oftentimes, especially in the Senator Mitch McConnell's example, where the thing with Senator Mitch McConnell is his wife's family, Elaine Chow's family, is deeply embedded in, in Chinese corporations. Well, guess what the Chinese corporations have ties to? The Chinese government. The Chinese government. Elaine Chow's family, her father, owns a shipping company. A shipping company, and that shipping company has various business dealings with the Chinese government. And so there's a lot of questionable things there when it comes to Senator Mitch McConnell. But I want to move on here, and I would encourage you to look all this up yourself and study it. The last thing I want to, I want to talk to you about here is uh, some examples of this happening with congressmen and senators. I just talked about Senator McConnell. Uh, other people who have been affected by this, this, this dark money is Senator Trent Lott. His son, Chet, was uh, managing, he was first managing Domino's Pizza franchises in Lexington, Kentucky, when he decided to spend policy instead of pizza. I'm reading from the, from the article here. So what, these, what these, these lawmakers do is they get their, their children or their spouses or their family members to set up these, these, these corporations, set up these policy centers, and then they start raking in the dough from foreign countries and from special interest groups. Uh, current Senator Orrin Hatch, uh, his son Scott, uh, became a lobbyist. Senator Orrin Hatch's son, Scott, became a lobbyist. Talk about conflicts of interest there. Also, uh, Vice President Joe Biden and uh, the former uh, uh, Secretary of State John Kerry their two sons created a, an international private equity firm that formed deals with foreign governments. And, and, and one of these deals included the Bank of China. I mean, this is, this is absolutely unbelievable, but it happens in Washington, D.C. every day. Absolutely every day. So we got a lot of problems going on in Washington, D.C., and I would argue that this is one of the major problems. And, of course, Peter Schweitzer continues and finishes up here by talking about how current ethics laws create a zero accountability zone for those in Washington, D.C. and in the political class. So, folks, this is a problem. This is a problem, and that's big, dark money, and sometimes it's not dark. You just look at how these, uh, how these lobbyists give their money. A lot of this is public information. But this big money that's going to these politicians is a problem. And here's why it's a problem. 
Some would say to me, well, Walker, you know, every, every politician has to raise money to run campaigns. Every politician needs money to run their campaigns. Well, yes, that's true. But wh where are they getting their money from? This is big. This is important. Where are they getting their money from? Are they getting money from people in their congressional district? Are they getting money from people in their state if you're a senator? And the, the answer to that is most of the time they're getting money from outside sources, which that raises the question, who are you representing? Who are you representing? And that's the major question that needs to be answers, answered. One, one other example of this, and then we'll move on, is I printed out this list from the Center for Responsive Politics. And this is a list from 2018 for the lawmakers who were the top recipients of lobbyist money. The representatives in Congress and in the Senate who were the top recipients of special interest money. And not surprisingly, the first five are all Democrats, Bob Casey, John Tester, Heidi Heidkamp, Bill Nelson, Tim Kaine, all Democrats. Uh, but it goes on here, and there's some Republicans in here. Dean Heller of Nevada, which he's no longer in. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I think he is still in the Senate. Uh, maybe. I'll have to check on that. Dean Heller maybe still be a senator. He may have lost his reelection in November. But Dean Heller's on this list from 2018. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is on this list from a Republican from California. Paul Ryan, who, who since retired, Paul Ryan's the number nine receiver, our recipient of foreign uh, of lobbyist money. And there's other, um, Dean Heller is a former senator. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate that. My producer, Brent, uh, just takes me that. So Dean Heller lost re-election in November, but in 2018, when he was still a senator, he was the number sixth recipient top recipient of lobby lobby lobbying money in congress so i'll post a link to this uh this list here of the top 20 recipients of lobbying money pretty interesting there republicans on the list yes they are this is a, a multi-party problem as i mentioned the last thing i want to talk about this issue and this kind of ties into all the other issues of the show i want to play this clip here this is a clip three. This is Representative Jerry Nadler, who heads up the who heads up the House Judiciary Committee in the Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives. I want to play this Democrat, Jerry Nadler, the congressman. I want to play him play a clip of him talking about how we've got to hold people accountable. This is a clip three. Let's listen. Well, our goal is to hold the administration accountable uh, for the obstruction of justice. The the uh, abuse of power and the corruption. Our goal is to vindicate the rule of law, to protect the rule of law in this country. And that's our core function as a Judiciary Committee of the Congress. And we have to find out what's been going on and we have to lay out a case to the American people and reveal it. Uh, because I've not seen an administration in a long time prior to this in which there were so many attacks on the rule of law, attacks on the Justice Department, attacks on the press, attacks on the judiciary, attacks on the norms that we depend upon to maintain democratic government. Folks, that is absolutely laughable. That is so laughable. Right there you have a Democrat talking about 
We've got to restore the rule of law. We've got to bring integrity to our judicial system. We've got to respect the press. I mean, this is coming from the party of lawlessness. <laughs> this is coming from the party of lawlessness. And I wanted, I'm just wondering, where was Jerry Nadler the past 40 years as our country's gone down the tubes? Where was Jerry Nadler about law and order when President Obama's administration changed Obamacare text? They changed the law unilaterally like 43 times, which is illegal. You can't pass law through Congress and then have the executive branch strike it out with a pen and write in new law. Where was uh, Jerry Nadler when President Obama gave amnesty to all the DACA people, to all the illegal immigrants. That's right. He was missing in action. And so hearing the Democrats talk about our goal is to bring accountability and oversight and make sure our justice system is working right. I mean, this is an absolute joke. Where was the justice system when Hillary Clinton was taking money from Russia in exchange for giving them uranium? And I could go on and on and on for hours on the corruption in Washington from both parties and how Congress has been missing in action when it comes to holding them accountable. The last thing that Jerry Nadler said, Jerry Nadler, the congressman said there, we need to, uh, we need to look into how these politicians are, 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 are getting personally enriched. Yes, I agree with you, Congressman Nadler, we do. And let's start with Hillary Clinton. Let's start with Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, and then we can move on to President Trump or whoever else you want to do a fishing expedition on. Um, moving on here, I'm going to transition along the lines of lawlessness. I'm going to transition to the topic of illegal immigration, and I want to play clip one here. This is a Fox News report from a, a reporter by the name of Casey Stegall, and this is clip one here. This is this is a Fox News report on the spike in illegal Illegal alien crossings on our southern border just this year, 2019. Let's listen. Really, the numbers are all up across the board, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. When you really look at them, perhaps the largest spike that we have seen is in the number of children, what are called uh, unaccompanied minors and family units. In fact, the numbers are up 300 percent apprehensions for that group in fiscal year uh, from fiscal year 2018. The feds say that kids and families now make up, by the way, 60 percent, more than half of all people taken into custody along the southern border. The stats also showing an uptick in the number of large groups attempting to cross. Look at this. Border Patrol defines a large group as 100 people or more. Well, 70 groups were caught compared to 13 last year and then just two the year before four while agents in the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas are considered to still be in the epicenter with the largest numbers of the apprehensions of both people and drugs flowing into the United States illegally down in the southern part of Texas along the river there bill all right well there you have it that's a Fox News report look this is uh this is about to be historic and not in a good way the Department of Homeland Security expects just this year in 2019 expects 1 million apprehensions at the southern border. 1 million apprehensions at the southern border. 
And to compare that, you just go back about five to ten years. They used to have three to four hundred thousand apprehensions in a year, and that was considered high. But in 2019, the Department of Homeland Security expects one million illegal alien apprehensions at the southern border. And my friends, that is not counting those who cross and are not apprehended, which we don't know how many that is or who they are. And that's the problem. And, you know, just this week, I heard a Customs and Border Patrol official talk about how we could solve 65%. We could reduce illegal alien crossings by 65%. And we could fix this problem and reduce the number of illegal alien apprehensions by 65% by just changing laws. By just changing rules, not even building a border wall, not even securing our southern border with a physical barrier. Can you imagine that? Reducing illegal alien crossings and apprehensions by 65% by just changing a few laws? I mean, that's unbelievable. But Congress is sitting on their hands doing nothing, doing nothing. And guess who's suffering? And this goes right back into the first topic I talked about, and that is special interest dirty money in Washington. And you, you want to know why one reason, there's two reasons that Washington is doing diddly squat on this issue. The first problem is Washington is, 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 is overflowing with money from big corporations who benefit from cheap labor. Mark my word. There is big corporations in America that benefit from illegal alien labor, cheap labor. They benefit from that. And they're sending money to Washington, D.C. to pay off politicians. That's a known fact. The second thing is the modern day Democrat Party is for open borders. They want illegal aliens to flow into our country by the millions to drag our country into the ash bin of history. That's what the Democrats want. You know why? Because that will create a vacuum for top-down totalitarian socialist-run government. That's what it will do. It will run our economy, run our country into the ground so that Democrats and their totalitarian socialist communist policies can then take over our country and run our country for a century or two. That's what the plan is. This problem is multifold. I want to play clip two here. Some Republican senators are trying to block President Trump on this emergency order declaration. I want to play clip two here and they give you some feedback. This is clip two. Senator Ron Johnson on President Trump's emergency order. Let's listen. And Congress uh, has also given him the discretion in these appropriation bills. So I think he's definitely... uh, 
you know, operating within his legal bounds. And from my standpoint, what I hope uh, the Republican Senate does is not uh, give Nancy Pelosi ball control of the United States Senate, but we should come up with our own piece of legislation that uh, basically states what our position is. We Republicans in the Senate support building the wall. We want to secure our border. We support the president on that. And to the extent that uh, if we don't like the fact that prior Congresses have given him this authority or any president's authority under the National Emergency Act, let's change that act. Mike Lee's going to have a bill that I'm co-sponsoring today that does just that. So that's the, the more appropriate way of doing this as opposed to voting for Nancy Pelosi's resolution. That doesn't make yeah, any see, sense you're, to me you're as Republican against, in the United States Senate. You're working against the clock on that, you know. There has to be a vote in resolution based on law. Yeah, I, I think this, this, is pretty, this is a pretty simple bill. We just come mm -hmm. up with our own piece of legislation. Uh, we can change the National Emergency Act to to uh, return some of this power back to Congress, and we can also appropriate th the funds in that same piece of legislation. Now, is anything going to become law? No. Nancy Pelosi's resolution won't become law. Ours probably won't, but a piece of legislation we would pass would be the better piece of legislation. All right, well, there you have it. That's Senator Ron Johnson. Now, what I want to po point out from that is that the, the power... That, that Republicans and Democrats are accusing President Trump of abusing, they created. They created. The swamp created this executive authority called the National Emergencies Act of 1974. Congress gave the White House the power to declare a national emergency based on its own discretion, based on what the president determines is a national emergency based on what the president determines as a national emergency, Congress created this mess. Congress created this mess, and Congress was nowhere to be found when President Obama was abusing his authority. But all of a sudden, President Trump starts, quote, abusing his authority, and, oh, Congress has got to step in. We've got to step in and protect the integrity of Congress. Well, you know what? Okay, you know, some people can make a valid argument that President Trump should not declare a national emergency because he should not bypass Congress when it comes to using funds, using monies. But I have little sympathy for that argument. You know why? The White House has been abusing executive authority for decades. And where has Congress been? Right there, complicit in the action. And you know why Congress has had no problem with executive branch abusing their authority over the past 50 years? Is because they've been ideologically in lockstep. Whether it be the Bush administrations, the Clinton, President Obama's administration. I mean, you go back to right after Reagan and the White House and Democrats, Republicans and Democrats, are f were fine with open borders. That's why they did nothing about it. And they were actually okay with executive authority being abused because it means Congress didn't have to do anything. And so the White House, for 40 years, has looked out for the special interest of both parties. And now, President Trump doesn't care about special interest. And about the Democrats and the Republican swamp, he doesn't care about their interest. He cares about the American people. And all of a sudden, Congress has got to step in and save the legislative branch. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, AFR.net is our website. Go to the podcast link there at AFR.net, and I'll post all these news stories there. But until then, stay tuned to AFR 
and we'll be back next week with more of Exposing Washington. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.